All right, I want to continue to share, uh, maybe wrap up what I shared last week on the times of the Gentiles. And uh, I said quite a lot, the Holy Ghost helped us to learn quite a lot just last week about the seizing or the kairos or the times of the Gentiles. And one of the things he said to us, which we realized, is that there is a window that God has opened. And this window is called the window of the Gentiles. I won't go back to that. But I want us to build a little bit on it. And uh, because we ask ourselves certain questions, and I want us to be able to answer those questions today. One of the questions we asked ourselves last week was about the nation of Israel. Would they ever be saved? And uh, the answer was yes. But I want to build a little bit on that. Please, the book of Romans chapter 10, from verse 1 to 3, I'll read Romans chapter 10, verse 1 to 3. I'll read Romans chapter 11, verse 11 to 32. And I'll read the book of Romans chapter 10, verse 10 to 14. The, sorry, verse 14 to 16, just in case I just want you to please write that down. Okay. Now, Romans chapter 10, this is a very classic of the Apostle Paul writing to certain believers in, in Rome, um, Jews in Rome, uh, and also a mixture of Gentiles too. As a matter of fact, a part of it was written to Jews, and a major part of this discourse was written to Gentiles. Gentile, Gentiles are people who who are non-Jews. Everyone that is not a Jew is a Gentile. It doesn't matter wherever you are. And are, like I said last week, there are always two, two nations. Okay, before, before Christianity, before the, before, the, before the nation of the believers. I said last week, there are two nations. You are either a Jew or a non-Jew. But going forward, Christ Jesus introduced another nation. And that's the nation of kingdom. Citizens of the kingdom of God. So then we have Jews, we have Gentiles, and then we have people who are Christ followers, which is a totally new nation altogether. Therefore, is any man being Christ is a new creature, all things are passed away, all things have become new. So, um, ethnically speaking, or religiously speaking, you can say Jews and non-Jews, Jews and Gentiles. So, before we came to know Christ, we were Gentiles. And the scripture says that there is a season for the Jews and there is a season for the Gentiles. So let's look at the book of Romans chapter 10. Let's look at what Paul says about it. Romans chapter 10 from verse 1 to 4. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they might be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God. Their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God, they sought to establish their own righteousness. They did not submit to God's righteousness. So there is man's righteousness and then there is God's righteousness. Anyone who submits to God's righteousness receives the new birth, becomes a child of God, becomes covenanted through the blood of Jesus. And then is that person who we call saved or who we call believer. But anyone who has not received the righteousness of God but has been going on his own righteousness, he is still in his sin. Because it is not by work of our righteousness that we get saved, but by the righteousness of God that is imputed upon us through Christ Jesus. Amen. That's why the cross and the death of Christ is very significant if you are going to have the new birth experience. Amen. And a lot of us were nice people, good guys, brought up by good parents. Now, a number of us were also brought up by bad parents. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about people. Who, who, it's a lot easier for people who were brought up by bad parents and who had very rough upbringing to get saved and to treasure the salvation than for those who, gave, who, who had the opportunity of going to Christian school, Christian prayer. Your parents were probably pastors. It's always very hard to get saved because, I mean, why do I need to repent? Why am I? I don't even feel like a sinner. 
Now, you are a sinner not because you feel like it or because you don't feel like it. You are a sinner because everyone born through Adam has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Amen? And if any man will come back into being accepted to God, you have to come by this righteousness of the second Adam, which is Christ Jesus. That's why every one of us needs to believe in our heart that God crucified Jesus and, and allowed his blood to be shed and then with our mouth we confess him as the Lord and Savior and then we get saved whichever way whether you want to come forward and you don't need to come forward to give life to Jesus okay you can give life to Jesus while you are at home while you are driving you can give life to Jesus just about anywhere now to make it easy we tell you to come forward and give life to Jesus okay that's okay if that works for you but all men born of women were born into sin and if they are going to get into God's righteousness, they have to get it through faith in Christ. So Paul was trying to make this clear to this group of Gentiles. He says, Christ is the head of the law, is the end of the law, so that there may be a righteousness for everyone who does what? Who believes. Amen. And he's trying to say that all the sins come. Righteousness, true righteousness come through Jesus. What is Paul trying to say? We will get it as we go on. Look at um, Romans chapter 11, still in his discourse on the future of the, Gen- of the Jews and also the, the hope of the Gentiles. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, I've said this to you. The reason I'm teaching you on the times of the Gentiles is because I want us to understand what your responsibility is as a former Gentile. I want to believe that you, are, you, 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 you were once a Gentile unbeliever and now you are in Christ. So I speak to people who have received God's righteousness through Christ. So Paul writes in Romans chapter 11 from verse 1, he says, I asked them, did God reject his people? By no means. I am an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. God did not reject his people, whom he foreknew. Don't you know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah, how he appealed to God against Israel? Lord, Elijah said, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one left and they are even trying to kill me. And what was God's answer to him? God answered and said, I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too, at this present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. Now, Paul was trying to explain something about God having a remnant principle or a system whereby people, and he's talking about the Jews now, he says they were foreknown by God. Which means that the salvation of Israel is a done deal as far as God is concerned. Right from the beginning, God struck an accord, a covenant with their father Abraham. And he says, through you all the nations of the world will be blessed. And in that dispensation of Abraham, it was the of, of raising altars. It continued in the time of Moses. You raised altars to God. You killed bulls and doves. You shed blood of animals. And then you get forgiven. Okay? And then God moved forward and say, Now, that was the olden platform. An olden covenant. Now, a new covenant I establish. For this new covenant, I want to establish on blood. But the blood of my son. Amen. And that as many who have, who have their sins forgiven... Whether they are poor or they are rich, whether they are affording or not affording, can have free access to salvation. 
as long as they will come cleansed by the blood of my son. So God loved us and he gave us his son. And he sacrificed his only begotten son. So that through his death, we can receive life. So that through his death, all mankind can receive God's forgiveness and be justified. So the truth of the matter is, salvation is for the rich and the poor. The male and the female. The young and the old. The Jews and the non-Jews. As long as you come to God through Christ. Amen. So Paul was trying to say now that, and if by grace, then it is no longer by works. If it were grace, if it were grace, it will no longer be grace. So he's trying to say clearly, we don't get saved by works. Unlike my people, Israelites, who know to get saved only by works. Now I want you to please follow this discourse. What then? What Israel sought so honestly, he did not obtain. But the elect did. The others were hardened, as it is written. God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes so that they could not see, and hear so that they could not hear to this very day. Now, I need to say this, that when God talks about remnant, He talks about people like you and myself, who He had foreknown, and who He knows that by reason of the gospel opportunity, we will receive the forgiveness that comes through Christ. Amen. Now, Many times, we don't know how we got saved. We don't know what transpired that brought to salvation. But I can say to you that you, God had you in his plan. And uh, the responsibility of the church, the body of Christ, is to make sure that God's salvation plan for mankind, for all mankind, whether bad or, or good, is, is realized by taking responsibility to make the gospel known. I want you to please hold on and follow me in this discourse tonight. So Paul says there is a remnant principle that God really ordains people to get saved because he has made an arrangement that anyone who will receive Jesus will get saved whatever it is. So he says, and David says, may their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for, for them. Let's, let's take it a little bit now. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and their backs bent. They bend forever. Again I say, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery, still talking about Israel? Not at all. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles for one reason, to make Israel envious. So, God is saying, salvation was originally planned by God to come to the people he chose for himself as his own people, through the covenants he had with their forefathers. He says, now listen to this, but if their transgression means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the Gentiles and that's the I mean, several times talking about Gentiles how much greater riches will their fullness bring I said it a time is going to come now Israel does not know Jesus they are not saved they don't even accept him I said it last, last week and I'm telling you the conspiracy theory that been from the day when Jesus was was brought down from the cross and was buried in the tomb of Arimathea is still there today. What the conspiracy was this that he actually did not rise up. The conspiracy was while it was night, his disciples came and stole his body away. It will surprise you to know that this is still the rumor that is guarding every Jew. Whether in America, I've had people tell me about Jews in America saying they don't believe in Jesus because his disciples he never he actually never rose up from the grave because his disciples came and sold his body away. Initially I thought it was a joke until I began to read it and I began to see that is what the basic Jew believes. And so, so as a matter of fact, Jews do not know Jesus and they are not saved. Amen. But God wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. 
But the reason that veil covered their face was so that God was given the Gentiles, you and myself, an opportunity to get saved. Because if they never threw the Son of God away, we would never have the opportunity to embrace Him. Amen. It was when, they were, when God, was, God saw the way they were doing that God decided to raise up an apostle Paul. He says, I'm going to get you to go preach this gospel to Gentiles. You go very far and you will suffer very much for it. I'm sure you remember, remember that. And so we say Paul became the apostle to the Gentiles. And that's why Paul could go into different places. Of course, because of God's plan, God had already prepared him for that. His education, his exposure, and also his um, desire to be martyred. Somebody said, there is nobody has ever seen that loves to die like Paul. Whatever they say that is dead, that's where Paul goes. And wherever they say that is dead, that's where you run away from. Is that correct? But Paul is not like that. If they say somebody is easy, you, you not see Paul there. If they say that place they want to kill you, that's where you see Paul go. I guess it comes with his call. Okay? Because part of the part of the call, and I'm going to come to that in a bit, part of the call or responsibility of the call is sacrifice. The gospel has come to us at a very high cost to God's son. And if we are going to get this gospel of the kingdom preached in our day, I don't care who you are, you have to understand it's not going to come cheap and easy. As a matter of fact, I think one of the heresies that we are being taught in the body of Christ today is that when you come into Christ, everything will be easy. There's nothing that will be further from the truth. For they that will live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. For you to decide to live holy in the marketplace and not lie alone may cost you your job. How many people understand what I'm saying? I mean, for you not to bribe and change figures will cost you businesses. You're yeah, 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 just trying to... Now, don't let's talk about you trying to preach the gospel to places, take the gospel of Jesus to places where Jesus is not known or celebrated. They're going to cut your neck and, and, and kill you. And that is the basis for all the bombings and all the killing of Christian ministries in the north. It's all fundamentally that when you come into Christ, it comes at a high cost. Okay, so anyone who wants to follow Jesus as a disciple of Jesus needs to count the cost, carry his cross, Jesus said, and follow me. Now, if we understand that gospel, living the gospel, living the life of Jesus, is a very costly life, and you read my lips, costly. Praise the name of Jesus. I've not said anything more, more, more costly than following Jesus. Amen. And I'm telling you, I know what it means. Even as a preacher. You suffer a lot. Because there are some things that you know you don't want to preach or you don't want to do. And everybody's doing it. You, you understand what I'm saying? It's going to cost you to be, to be a Christian minister, to be a true discipleship ministry, to be on the very edge of Jesus. It's going to cost you. So, that is, the, that is the spirit of the Christian faith. And if there's anybody who doesn't understand it, you better understand it now. Praise God. And make up your mind. But at the end of the journey, Amen, God promises you a reward. He says, They that, they that endure till the end shall be saved. Now, endurance is not a, it's not a nice word. How many people agree with me? So when I say so, endure it. Why mean that something has been wrong? Is that correct? I say endure it. Forichi, Farada, hello people. I, I don't know where you come from, but in my part of the world, where you say Polici, Farada, that means it's a hard. Amen. There's nothing in the Christian faith following Jesus that is easy. It's discipleship is hard. But Bible says, Blessed be God who daily causes us to triumph every day in Christ. 
And then he gave us his spirit to comfort us through our troubles so that we can comfort others with the comfort we are receiving. What does that mean? Why do you need comfort if you are not going through stress? In the first instance. You need comfort. That's why the Holy Ghost comforts you. Amen. And then he brings you through the pressure and does not allow you to be drawn the pressure and then you come out into the, through the pressure and you say, wow, God help me on this. And then when you see someone going through a pressure, you are able to help them. Somebody understand what I'm talking about here. So there is no... There is no free lunch for the child of God. Amen. You have to be a Christ follower. You have to make sure you follow the narrow path. Amen. And His grace will be sufficient. That's why we need grace. And that's why Paul is saying, if anybody is going to please God, he's, going to, he's not going to please God at his own terms. He's going to have to come to God by grace. Because you will need that grace for your journey. Amen. And I'm telling you, we all, we all need it. So Paul says... I am talking to you Gentiles. That means that he was talking to these people who are non, who are non Jews. He says, I'm talking to you Gentiles. In as much as I am the apostle to the Gentiles, I make much of my I make much of my ministry in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. So Paul is saying, even though I know we're in the season of the Gentiles. But I am going to do everything to do by preaching and azadi my life so that when fellow Jews see me azadi my life for the Gentiles, they probably will be envious and be challenged and be aroused to want to say, okay, let's inquire into why Paul is so fastidious about this thing he's preaching. And that happened. Many Jews believed in him because they saw the kind of life he lived. Now, the Bible says, in the hope that I may arouse some of them to envy and save some. Verse 15, please. Let's, it's a bit of a read, but it's good. For if, for, it says, for if their rejection, listen to this, for if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, so the rejection of the Jews is the opportunity for the Gentiles. Someone said that, the rejection of the Jews is the opportunity for the Gentiles. Let's say it one more time. If the Jews didn't reject Jesus, I will have been saved. So thank God the Jews rejected Jesus. And now I am saved. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Alright. It says, For if their rejection is a reconciliation of the world, what will the acceptance be but light from the dead? Verse 16, please. If the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy. <laughs> now, let, 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 let me talk about first fruits now. <laughs> if the part of is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. If some of the branches have been broken off, and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive roots. Did you listen to this. Don't, don't, don't. When you're reading this gospel, don't, don't, don't take it too quickly. It says, branches have been broken off, and you, wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive tree. For those who have done biology, you'll understand a little bit about this thing, about grafting. I did something about biology in my secondary school about grafting. You took, you took a branch of a particular tree of a different species, and then you took it into another tree, you cut the, the, the stem off, and then you put the, 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 the shoot and then you tie it with rubber for a long period of time. I don't know for how long, maybe one, two months or three months. Or After a while, you remove the rubber, it's gone together. And it begins to... The, the, a, the ancient foreign body species begin to feed up from the original species. And they begin to burn and bring forth fruit. It's always amazing. I mean, God is so amazing. So, Paul was trying to use that to explain to us how God makes arrangement for those who are non-covenant people of God 
to be engrafted and to be able to drink from the sap of God's grace. Hallelujah. Even though it was never meant for them. As a matter of fact, that's why when Jesus came, you see Jesus said to them, do not go to those of, any, go, go, go anywhere, just go to those of the lost, of the lost of the house of Israel. But the, all the apostles didn't preach, they didn't preach to Gentiles, they preached to, to, to Jews. They preached Jesus to Jews. It was after Jesus Christ died and resurrected that they began to plant churches among the Gentile nation and Paul was of that. Because you know, you know that story. Amen. But we thank God for that today. Amen. He says, if some of the branches have been broken off and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive, olive root, listen to this, do not boast against the branches. If you, if you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will, but you will say then, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted. But they were broken off because of their unbelief. And you will now stand by faith in Christ. But do not be arrogant, but be afraid. That's like saying, as covenanting as, as important as the Jews were to me, and they broke my covenant and I, and I, and I moved away from them, you are just graced. Is that right? And that will speak to those of us who are Gentile believers. That we need to take our faith very seriously. We can't go drowsy and drunken and wasteful on our faith. Because this faith has come at very high cost to God. Hallelujah. And we should treasure it. Because originally speaking, we are not designed to be saved. You understand what I'm saying? So we are great double. Every Gentile believer is enjoying double grace. You you get it? That's why next time you think about Jesus and about what he did for you, you should thank him. And you should try as much as possible, ask him to help you stay away from sin. Paul says, don't be be proud about it. Okay? For God did not spare the natural branches. That's that's the Israelite. He He will not spare you either. Verse 32. Consider therefore the kindness and the sternness of God. Sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. Now, if God cut off the original people, natural branches, he will cut you off too. That's what I say. Now, what I mean is that even today, even though they were covenanted by God, the average Jew today needs to receive Jesus as his Lord and Savior. But there's a special plan of God for them. You understand this? Please. And if they do not persist in unbelief, they will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. Now that is the second opportunity for the Jews to come into Christ. They were broken up by reason of their sin and unrighteousness and their transgression and their disbelief. The Bible says, John chapter 1, He came to His own and His own did not receive Him. Not only did they not receive him, they also killed him. Is that correct? But as many as received him, John chapter 1 verse 14, he gave them the authority and the power to become sons of God. So when we say receive Jesus into your heart, what we are saying is receive authority of God. Receive the power to live righteous. For, for, for righteousness gives you access to everything in God. Amen. Sometimes I think Pastor Fim was teaching this, which is very profound. That you don't own anything. What you have is access. Praise the name of Jesus. 
You don't need to own anything. But you need access. And the blood of Jesus gives you that access. Praise the name of Jesus. That's why we don't amass wealth. And I want to say this to you. If God makes a demand on your life for your time, give it. He will give you more time. Hello, people. Many people think that it's a waste of time coming to serve the Lord or serve a ministry in church. Well, I got, I got better things. You got better things to do. <laughs> you do not understand that you don't own that life. You don't own that time. And if the owner of time and season asks for you, you should give you, should ask him, how many do you, how much do you want me to give you? One hour. Don't you want two? That is the way to think if you really understand the power of life and access. If God asks you to give you money, you should ask him, God, why don't you take the rest and give me the rest? Like taking it, how about this? You take the old money, you throw it up into heaven. Praise the name of Jesus. And then God takes his own and then you take the rest. Is that correct? That's not, that just like saying, like saying, God, you own everything. God does not want you to own anything, but he wants you to know that you have access to everything. The blood of Jesus gives us access to everything. That's why if you need money, if you understand who you are as a believer, you may not even have a, a penny in your account. Yes, yes, somebody will get it if they give you a phone call and all the people will pay. You need to understand that. God will meet your need. Praise God. I don't know about your excess wants, but I know He will meet your need. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And if you are going to be truthful to God, you will testify truly that God has always met your need. Not your wants, but your need. Praise God. Amen. Because that's His promise. Because we have access. The Bible says, so they were grafted in again. And if all, after all, if if, if you were cut off of an olive tree that is wired by nature and contrary to nature were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much more readily will this, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? Do, uh, do we all understand this? Paul is using agri- agriculture to explain to us the principle of salvation and grace and covenant and joining and, uh, and, and adoption. That we were not designed to be adopted because we were Gentiles. But since the moment, the time or the season or the gateway for the Gentile was open, every Gentile can be adopted into the family of God and have the same access as a Jew will. Part of the access of the Jews by, by, the, by the fiscal covenant that they had is why today they are still not being, nobody can run them now. Jordan, Lebanon, all of them around them, all surrounded by Arab nations, small people, just eight million people. Every missile that they have thrown at them has not hit them. Because there's just something in the covenant of God that he had with Abraham that is covering those guys. So physically speaking, they are being covered, but spiritually speaking, they are far from God. Now, they may be enjoying the blessing of the physical blessing of Abraham, but the spiritual blessing of Abraham, which is what determines whether you end it in eternal life or eternal damnation, they don't have that. But the scripture says, in God's plan and design, God has designed for them to have that. Amen. I don't know what Abraham touched in God, that made God make him, made sense. He said, I shall be the God of Abraham forever, the God of Isaac forever, and the God of Jacob forever. And that through your generation of Israel, I will establish my will all over the earth. Don't ask me why God decided that. I'm not God. I don't know what Abraham touched in God. But the Bible says in the book of Romans 4, what had Abraham, my father, found? There's something Abraham found. Hallelujah. That's why his mistakes and his feelings. He found something that God was looking for. And the moment Abraham accessed that thing, 
that grace broke on Isaac, broke on Jacob, broke on Joseph, broke on the rest of them. And for everyone, everything that they have, fiscally speaking, by reason of fiscal covenant, is a type and shadow of what we can have by reason of the covenant we have in the spirit. That's why if you are falling short in your understanding of covenant, read a little bit of God's name with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. You will understand something. It will help you kick your faith back to action. Hallelujah. That it doesn't matter how hard the enemy presses against you, you will still win against them. It doesn't matter how tough the economy is, you will still find results in that land. Let's talk about covenant. Till tomorrow. And I don't want to talk about how Israel is doing in the, in the world economy. Cyber, they, are the, they are the leaders. They are the owners of cy, cy, cyber security in the world. And you know that in the future, in the world to come, right now, forever, everything is built on here. And everything is going to be in the hand of the person who has the key to cyber security. And Israel has it. So, the old world is in the hand of Israel. Simply because of that thing that Abraham found. And God said, I'll never revoke that. So, when you look into the life of Abraham and the power of the covenant that's known over family or nation for so long, you as a believer, new believer Gentile, who says, wow, is this what Abraham found? Is this what Abraham is enjoying? Is this what Christ has brought me into? And then you key into it. And then you recognize that God has given you access. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Did Abraham have problems? Yes, he did. But did he overcome them? Yes, he did. What about Isaac? What about Jacob? What about Joseph? He did. The life of covenant in God does not absorb you from problems. As a matter of fact, problems mature you. Get you to appreciate God more. Amen. That's why in the midst of our problems, we rejoice. In the midst of our pain, we celebrate God like we are mad and crazy. We do praise and worship. We throw out the drums and we rejoice. We don't get mournful. No, we, because what is kicking our spirit is the revelation of covenant that we have through the blood of Jesus. And that was made possible simply because Israel abandoned that beautiful thing. And by the abandonment, we got it. Praise the Lord. I said we got it. Amen. I said we got it. I said we got it. You don't say excited. I said we got it. We got the covenant. We got the access to God. Hallelujah. We got the victory through the blood of Jesus. We got everything that is in, the, is in the Godhead. Through the blood of Jesus. Through that single experience of God's, of God's Son. And that's why we're excited all the time. Our joy is full. Knowing what's been reserved for us in the covenant that we have in Christ. Praise the Lord. And if there's anybody here who doesn't know Jesus yet, you're missing a lot. You need to allow God to grant you to that holy tree. Amen. <laughs> Very pre- That's what we're saying. And for those who have been grafted in, we need to go and tell others that they can be grafted in too. That's why I keep saying you need to go to your brothers and sisters, your siblings, your friends, your colleagues at work. Because that door is open. That opportunity for the Gentiles is here. The time or the seizing or the caras moment of the Gentiles are here. That door will soon close. But it's open. And we need to go in and take advantage of it. Praise the name of Jesus. That's the reason for church. That's why we have church plans. That's why we're raising ministers. That's why we're having Bible study. That's why because we need to get an awareness and understand that so much is expected of us in responsibility. I will sit here with me, please. I will sit here with me. Alright, so give me the next verse, verse 25. We're just trying to read the scripture. It says, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brother, so that you may not be conceited. conceited. Don't forget, talking to, to, to Gentiles. It says, Israel hath experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. 
What does that say to you? There is a fullness of time in God's agenda. That means that everyone who gets saved, TikTok. Everyone who gets saved, that's why once you get saved, God sends his angels to watch over you because you are part of the number that is designed by God to come into redemption. Because the program is there. Anybody who believes in Jesus, anybody who believes in their heart and confesses it, they will be saved. Gentiles and non-Gentiles alike. And anyone, whoever you may be, rich, poor, young or old, male or female, Caucasian, African, whoever it is, once you fulfill that responsibility of receiving Jesus, something automatically switches in the spirit realm and gives you the new birth. You become... <laughs> that's why tomorrow, today you see a man who's a ham robber, a prostitute, or whatever, whatever it is. And then the next thing you see him, preaching the gospel, being forgiven, enjoying Jesus, doing ministry, and praying for the sick, and casting out demons, and you saying to yourself, we went to school together. This is so unfair, and this is so unkind. I knew this guy. He was the baddest. I knew how many people he killed when we were in university. He was called sharpshooter. Now he called it, like killed a lot of people. <laughs> Wasted a lot of lives. But the next thing you saw was that guy believed in his heart that Jesus paid the price for him and received Jesus as Lord and Savior. And he gets saved and automatically he gets access. Why you are still God for me, not you? Why those who are busy thinking about how pure they are, how good they were in school, how they never smoked, they never drank, they never humanized, they never stole their mother's money, they never stole meat from the pots? How they are busy bragging and saying, I say, yes, I mean, I should be God. This guy is getting healing, he's getting joy, he's getting breakthrough, he's moving forward in life. And you're saying, and you're saying but God is unfair. Yes, it's unfair because principle is there. Principle is anyone who believes in the Son of God will be saved. For by work of righteousness shall no man be saved. Only by the righteousness that is imputed through Jesus. Which part of you don't you understand? Hello, people. That's why we don't get proud. That's why we humble our heart. That's why we receive grace at all times. Amen. And we rejoice in the grace that God has given to us. And we also do not allow anyone to accuse us falsely. And can I say this? Even if you are in the grace, if you fail or you fall short or you fall into sin, into sin, that is not your nature now anymore. You have a new nature in Christ. The divine nature. Now, are you going to make mistakes? Yes, you will. Are you going to say wrong things? Yes, you will. Are you going to do something? Yes, you will. But the moment you do wrong, recognize that you have been born not of the corruptible, but of the incorruptible. The word of God that lives and abides forever. And there's nothing anybody can do about it. The moment you recognize that, that that asset is unfettered, all you need to do is just, God, you know, I blew it. Well, I thought I could help myself. I thought I was smart. But Father, you know, I'm sorry. The moment you say, I'm sorry. You have not finished it before the Father will wrap his arm around you and bring you home. And love you back. Don't ask me why God does that. I, I agree with you. It's not fair. I agree. But he is God. And he said to us, is what? Eternal and only. Is that correct? He alone is God. You are not. Is that correct? He can do whatever he likes. So his grace has brought us into redemption. And that's why, that's why you and I have other access. Let's read the scripture too. So, and so all Israel will be saved. Can someone say, hear that? 
So a time is going to come when this window that is open is closed. Scripture says, "All will be saved." Now I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm thinking, and you know, God, God could just sound an alarm, okay, and get all of Israel saved in one day. Praise the name of Jesus, because it's a prophecy. It says, "All Israel will be saved," as it's written. The deliverer will come from Zion. It will turn godlessness away from Israel. In verse 27. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. God says, I'm going to take away their sins. Now, why that is God, the main sin of Israel is unbelief. You know what the unbelief is celebrating right now? If you go to Israel right now, you still see the high priest. You see the, uh, the, 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 the priest. You see the, the temple. You still see the pouring of libation. You still see... People exchanging money for doves. You still see blood sacrifices. Now what's happening is Jesus' forgiveness is no longer in that. As a matter of fact, on the reverse, what is in that temple is demonic activity. Because every time you open blood, it's not two things you attract. You either attract grace or you attract demons. That's why I feel very sad. You know, and we need to pray for Muslims brothers and sisters every time they slaughter those rams they open up the realm of the spirit for demons to fly more demons just got released in the last two days because every blood what are the blood of animal man but it's the blood of man mankind and there is a, there is a real problem why the world has a big problem there's a lot of war, a lot of ritual killing and every one of those blood that is killed speaks and it's, get what it speaks for it speaks for vengeance that's why nations who share blood struggle because each of those bloods we can say avenge me that's what the blood of Abel spoke that the blood of Jesus has to speak over that blood every blood speaks so the blood of Abel spoke for justice the blood of Jesus speaks for mercy and that's why when the, once the blood of Jesus speaks over you, and I'm, I'm talking to you about the significance of the Christian life. Once you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you come through the blood, something begins to speak on your behalf is the blood of Jesus. That's why a lot of things you've done, God says, it's forgiven. My, the blood of my son has spoken. He says it's cleansed. She's forgiven. It's as if she never sinned. <laughs> That's the, that's the understanding and explanation of grace. The blood of Jesus. Someone say the blood of Jesus. Still speaks for me. Come on, somebody say the blood of Jesus. Come on, sis, come on say the blood of Jesus. Still speaks for me. I don't know why the Holy Ghost brought me, took me in that direction, but I'm not, talking, I'm, not, I'm not talking about blood tonight, but I'm just trying to say, there's no way you can talk about being Gentiles and being saved without talking about what brought us to salvation. It's the blood. I stand here tonight as if I never said, I'm the cleanest guy around by the blood. Hallelujah. I make mistakes, I get cleansed by it, I sit, whatever, by the blood. They are not in safe flows. It's the blood. Praise the name of Jesus. That's what charlatans are using. People are messing up the life. Every time you, you can mess up right now and clean, clean by the blood. But your judgment in God is piling up. The blood always stays. Alright, let's, let's enjoy this beautiful reading. This is what we read again today. That's fine. It says, did you, did you give me that other one? Verse 28, please. Why are you in a hurry? Give me verse 27. Did we read 27? We, we did? 28. Okay, 28. As far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies on your account. But as far as election is concerned, someone say election. 
They are loved on account of the patriarchs. Praise God. One of these days, the Lord allows me, I'll talk about the remnant and election principle. It will help us to understand a little bit more about what a salvation is. But the Israelites enjoying the election, or what you call the adoption, or what you call special privilege. Salvation is waiting for them, because God had already planned it, that no daughter or son of Abraham will be condemned. I will save them. That's what it says. Because the salvation shall come upon all from the house of Jacob. Praise the name of Jesus. It's also the reason why we say, when you pray for that nation, remember to pray for Jerusalem. Prepare for pray for, for that nation. When you pray for them, some blessing come. Amen. Because they're just special. I don't know why, but they're just special. Uh, uh, are we there? As far, but as far as nations come, they are loved on account of the patriarchs. The patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. You remember that? All those guys who raised our altars to God. Amen. Don't forget about those who raised. What did they do? They raised altars to God. Authors of sacrifice, authors of worship. Amen. And that's why significantly today we want to just do two hours of raising an altar of worship. Amen. It's beautiful to do that. God loves altar raisers. He just loves them. There's something he does to God when altars are raised. Amen. Praise him. Authors of prayer, authors of worship. Amen. It's beautiful. You shouldn't miss it. It says, for the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. Verse 20, 30. Just as you who are at one time disobedient to God have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience, so they too have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. Not like saying, the Jews are going to come to a point where they are going to plead with God. Say, God, all those unbelievers, you had mercy on them and you brought them in. Hey, we sin against you, but you too, you have to have mercy on us. Let the blood of Jesus speak for us too. So a time is going to come when all of Israel will open their heart and cry out to Jesus. And they will receive him as the true Messiah and as the true Savior of all mankind. And then they will be saved. That is going to happen. It's in God's plan. It's irrevocable. It's going to happen. When? I do not know what's it's going to happen. But while we are looking forward to that time, let's quickly get as many people as possible, as many Gentiles that we are possible by, where? Into Christ. That's where your job comes in. Amen. While that door is open. So we have a big door. We have a large opportunity open right now. That's why we start churches. That's why we go on evangelism. That's why we go into the marketplace and represent Christ. That's why we raise platforms to treat the gospel in the hope that God will use me and use you and use our church and use our different expression, whichever we call it, our family, our work, our preaching the gospel. God will use it to bring all our Gentile brothers, Gentile sisters, Gentile bosses, all bring them into salvation through us. And I pray that God will find you faithful. I also pray that you will be willing in the name of Jesus. Amen. For God has bound all men to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. That's the beautiful thing about this gospel. Let's read one more scripture before we close enough. The book of Romans chapter 10 verse 14 to 16. And this will, this will speak a little bit to what our job description is in this, in this revelation because that we are in a season of the Gentiles is a revelation alright but what do we do in the midst of the revelation so that we can capture and we can reap the harvest of the season. Romans chapter 10 verse 1 to verse 11 that, that, that's it? 14 to 16 please how then can they call on the one they have not believed in alright so 
there are, I think, four things we want to talk about here. There has to be faith. Someone say faith. Or what you call believing in. Amen. And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? That means they have to be hearing. There has to be a platform for hearing. Hello, people. There has to be faith. But faith cannot stand alone. Faith is predicated on hearing. And he says, And how can they believe in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? So, we know that we are coming to a season, a window of opportunity to bring in the Gentiles. But he says, these Gentiles need to believe. But he says, before they believe, there must be dissemination of the gospel message. Either through, with, through church planting, through sharing tracts, through preaching to them, through inviting them to church, through living out the life of Christ. The marketplace. But there has to be an opportunity for them to interrelate or interface with the faith. So, then they can believe. And he says, and how can they hear without someone preaching to them? So this brings us to the responsibility of, we can't get this Gentile saved except we preach. So, preaching is not just anything that preachers or pastors do. Preaching is the responsibility of every Gentile who has been saved. How many people have been saved? Preaching is your responsibility. Okay, hello people. It's the reason why this scripture establishes a ministry for all of us. All of us have a preaching ministry. Amen. Praise God. It says in verse 15, please. And how can they preach unless they are sent? Now that brings another, another issue there. The issue of the apostolic. That's why we say, I, for those of you who know me, I use the word apostolic a lot. Because that is, that's Bible language. Praise the name of Jesus. So God talks about an apostolic mentality that the church needs to have. The church needs to know that they have been sent. Sent on a mission. With a singular purpose to get the people to hear the gospel because they preach it. And then when they hear the gospel, they are able to believe in the gospel. So this is what you are denying the Gentiles you come in contact with. Because you do not preach the gospel, they don't hear the gospel. And because they don't hear the gospel, they don't get saved. Now because they don't get saved, they die in their sin, they go to hell. And because you allow, you watch them go to hell under your watch, God is going to ask you about the blood of your son. The blood of, you bet, if you are a parent here, your, your sons are not saved, your sons are not saved, you better start praying for the salvation and start preaching to them. Because you can send it to the best of schools, it doesn't mean nothing. What is important in a human being is not his flesh or his, or his mental capacity, it's his spirit. Once the spirit of man is saved, and the spirit of man gets saved only by a spiritual process. And that process is being washed by the blood of Jesus. You have to preach that to them. You have to do everything to make sure that your sons get to hear the gospel. Your daughter get to hear the gospel. What about your siblings, your friends, your boss? They have to get you and God will have to agree. God, what do they need? Do I bring them? Do I do a movie for them? Do I bring them into church? Do I bring them into a concert where I know they're going to hear the gospel preach to them? Do I give them a, a, a book to read? Do I share tracts with them? Do I go and visit them? Do I woo them with some gift? Do I befriend them so that I can bring whatever it is? You know that these people are never going to get to believe except they hear the preaching. And so this is what happens. We have the body of Christ doesn't understand the 
import and the enormity of the work on her hand and they say, don't worry, our pastors will preach. Evangelists will, will run crusades. Missionaries will go to different countries and go and pray the gospel. But me, I am called to be blessed. How many people here feel called to be blessed? <laughs> Every Sunday you are being blessed. If the pastor doesn't preach a nice message that you like on Sunday, you don't give an offering. Depending on how blessed you feel. You do not understand that this gospel is your responsibility to preach it. Because if they don't preach it, they'll never hear it. Now, that brings me to the assignment of the church. What is the, what is the job of the church? It is the job of the church to send you. That's why I've been teaching this and preaching this for the last seven months. Many, many of you think I'm a crazy man. Many of you think I don't have anything to do. Many of you think I'm, a, I'm bereft of revelation. Many of you think that pastor doesn't have any word anymore. He has been preaching for the last 18 years. I think his mouth is dry. His revelation is dry. I am fulfilling my own part. What my what's part? I must send you. I must prepare you. I must build capacity. I must give you. I must open your thinking. I must get you to see perspective of God's word. I must get you to understand the innovation of the work. I must get you to understand that you are at an apostle. And that when you leave to that place tomorrow morning after two days of work, you must bring something to the earth to influence it for Jesus. You are the hope of the, of the world. You are the light in that place. Your preacher will never get there. Your pastor will never get there. Even if you invite me, I won't come. But you are there. Amen. And they respect you. And they will hear you. And they love you. And they honor you. And so they will hear you. Praise the name of Jesus. And so it is your job to preach that gospel to them. Are we there? Let me give the, right, the, the verse 15. And how can they preach? I said, I said, as it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. And how can... Verse 16, please. Last, last verse. But not all Israelites accepted the good news. For Israel, Isaiah says, Lord, who has been that message. Hallelujah. So, we're, we're, so when we say, preach the gospel, what do we mean? We say, avail everyone an opportunity to at least receive or reject Jesus. Or we're saying, when we say, go preach the gospel, you mistake it to mean it is your power to get them saved. No. It's not your power to get them saved. You cannot save any man. But you can preach to every man. So your job is to preach to every man. To give them an opportunity to receive the Son of God or to reject Him. If you preach with your life and with your word appropriately, they will receive Jesus and they will be changed. They will be saved. And their eternal destiny will be secured. If you do not preach the gospel, they will not be saved and they will die. Now, is it possible that they will preach the gospel to them and they will reject you? Yes, they will. They might reject it. Amen. And sometimes they will reject you, but years later they will receive Jesus because your little word you spoke to them challenged them and then it, bring, it makes sense to them in their hours of trial. Hello, people. So this, this night, I think God is leaving us with that. That we need to continue to pray. For, this lab- for, for more laborers I'm praying tonight that God will continue to send laborers like you and myself I want to say to you we need more churches we need more three of life centers Praise. if all you do is just to say I'm going to make my house available pastor I don't know how to preach or preach I, I can pray just, I, but I have a big house Let, let's make it open let people come in my neighborhood to just hear the gospel 
Send somebody. To, yeah, that's fine. That's partnership with the gospel. Amen. You create, you create an atmosphere for the gospel. They drink, they eat, whatever it is. They get prayed for. And then that's it. Amen. So because we have to be conscious of the authority of, that we carry. Amen. Because there's an anointing in us. Amen. We have to know that this faith can have the same result as it had in the days of the apostles. If we would just try to put it to work. Praise God. The beauty about preaching is the moment you begin to preach the gospel and, begin to, and you get the first person saved, you won't want to stop. Because you will see how much change can happen in a person's life and how much joy you can bring to a, life, to a soul. And so I think we all need to leave this place with a challenge. How do I get people saved? I spoke to one of my sons. I said, son, you've been a believer now for a while. So he said, yes, dad. I said, I've been teaching my, the church in Nigeria. I wish you were home. I said, have you ever led anyone to Christ? I said, dad, I never actually thought about it. I never led anyone to Christ. Because every time he talks to me, he's sharing revelation, big rev with the word of God. I said, that's very good. You are, going, you are a growing rev guy. But how about this thing? So, have you led the soul to Christ? I said, dad, I never thought about that. I never did. I don't even know how to. I spoke to him a little bit. I forgot how much like But the Holy Ghost, all he needed to hear was that challenge from me. The Holy Ghost got him to go to pray and began to say, I want to know how to lead the souls to Christ. As he goes to pray, how many people know the Holy Ghost will help him? My job is to prep him. What I did for myself is what I'm doing for you tonight. You need to go home and say, Holy Spirit, my case is different. First of all, we're not able to understand this case, but you Holy Ghost know everything. How do I preach to this person? And as you pray to the Holy Spirit, He will give you an idea and a strategy. It may just be one thing. That person may be broken and busted. It may just be that you will love the person into the gospel. Who knows? Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. We must be willing to suffer for the gospel. When people, when you go to preach, they may slap you. They may shut the door in your face. Now, this is what happens. I've, I've already warned you. So that when you go to preach, and they shut it down in your face, what should you do? The last thing you should do is, I will never preach Jesus again. That's bad response. <laughs> what should be your response? <laughs> it does shut on your face, go next door. Because door will be shut on your face. They're going to reject you. They rejected Jesus. Okay? Many times as a preacher, I'm telling you, and I bring this to a close. One of the reasons why I'm still standing in the faith, that's all the things I've suffered in ministry. I've suffered. But you know why I'm still not? I'm still preaching this gospel and I'm still on a bounce. And I really don't care how bad things you people are doing for me. Because Jesus never told me that when He called me and the same in this assignment, He didn't tell me people will love me all the time. He never told me that. He never promised me that. He didn't tell me people will believe what I preach all the time. Now, some of you who have been listening to me, do not take my words seriously until one day, one day, 10 years down the line, you go and say, Hmm, Pastor is talking This message, that's why I'm capturing the messages and make sure it's properly captured. Because 10 years from now, you will need this word. It will be waiting for you in your future. If I look at you right now and say, You are not, you are even sleeping when I'm preaching. How many people have been discouraged? But I'm not going to be discouraged. Why? Because there is a season where God will use this word in someone's life. It might just be able someone that you give the tip to. It might be someone that will hear me online. That's why whatever it is we do. As preachers, we understand I'm not preaching to a few people. I want to rest, I'm on an assignment. Whether you're a thousand, whether you're one. Praise God. And you need to understand that. So it's not going to be nice and cozy. It's not going to be cool. Dust are going to be shot on your face. But you have to dust your feet. Jesus says, when your door is shut, He says, dust your feet on that house and go to the next city. You must never let anything stop you. You must never be demoralized, discouraged, 
They told you, stop singing and worshiping and then you decide to leave the church? Are you kidding me? Help me here. Pastor Tok says something. I'm not going to serve Jesus again. Are you Are you for real? <laughs> no, nothing will stop you people. Say nothing will stop me. Amen. We must live ready. Praise God. We must live ready. The cost of ministry is out there. God is calling you. There's somebody here. God is speaking to you right now. You brought, God brought you here for this meeting. He's speaking to you. Amen. So you have to carry your ministry. Go out and, and bring people. Amen. Because we have all been called to preach. And that's the gospel truth. I pray tonight that God will use this word to give you a new sense of responsibility for what it means to be called. For what it means to be a Gentile saved by the blood of Jesus. For what it means to be a Gentile that has been enlisted in the army of God and who is now being enlisted by God to go bring other Gentiles to. Why? Because the time and the season of the Gentiles are here. I want to thank you, Father, this evening for the privilege of hearing this word. And Father, we pray that you will help us, O God Almighty, to, to get this work done in record time. So that, Father God Almighty, the Gentile nations that are open. And it's on the spirit of this that we go everywhere we go. I told the people, I said, as God opened the door for you, one of the things you need to consider is when you go, you relocate to Canada or you go to America or you go to the United Kingdom, whatever it is. The first thing you must do is you come back home. Pastor, what does it mean to even run a tree of life and open my house to the God for the gospel? You must think about that. Everywhere you go, carry the gospel with you. In your career, carry the gospel. With you. Don't get and say, well, thank God, I've left Nigeria's shore. Now, I don't, go to, I don't have to go to church. Shush, I don't have to. You have to take responsibility. Go pray the gospel. Because that's why you have sent. You are an apostle. And you must carry out your duty. Father, I want to thank you tonight. For this challenge. For this fresh challenge. We pray for our church. We pray for all our saints. Not only in the church, but all over the world. That it will all come to a revelation of our responsibility. That Father God will go beyond milk and honey. Christianity and Christianity of convenience. I just want to be blessed and I just live to be blessed. I just want to have a wife or a husband or just get a job or just drive a nice car and just receive miracles. So, growing and knowing that even in the midst of our pains, we can be a light in the midst of darkness. That even when we still struggle with our own issues, that we can actually preach this gospel of Jesus because we have been sent by you to preach this gospel of the kingdom as a witness unto all the nations. So, Father, I pray this for myself that our church will continue to be relevant. Our church will continue to be on the cutting edge of this gospel message. And that nothing, Father God Almighty, in that world that attacks our ministry, God will ever make us back down from following Jesus. And that we will serve you. Father God Almighty, I say for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Whatever it is that the enemy brings away, we will overcome. We will continue to pray the gospel of Jesus so that unbelievers can believe, so that the genders can be harvested, so that Jesus can come back quickly. We honor you, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. And take your, 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 your place. Come one more time, Father God Almighty. And take your own to yourself. Come, Lord Jesus. Glorify your name again. We thank you. We speak over to this nation. We speak to the body of Christ. We ask God that this a zeal. The zeal of the Lord will consume the earth. A fresh zeal will consume the body of Christ. That we will wake up from our stumbling and our slumber. And we will realize that the time of the Gentiles is so close. And that this time 
Let us seize it. We thank you, Father, for this. We bless you. Amen. Do you love Jesus tonight? Anybody love Jesus tonight? Put your hands together and give God praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Amen. We hope you heard the voice of the Lord through the message that you just heard. For further inquiries about other helpful resources and counseling, please visit us at the Capstone Church Without Walls. 25 McQueen Street, Sabo Alagomeji Yaba, Lagos. Or call 080-77-248-222 or 080-2318-2030. You can email helpdesk at thecapstoneonline.com or simply visit us online at www.thecapstoneonline.com. Thank you so much for listening. May God bless you indeed.